Today's passage is from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. See you uh, this morning. Uh, as some of you may know, uh, baby number three is coming uh, for our family. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> uh, baby's due April 16th. Uh, so I'm telling you this because uh, that's actually Easter weekend, the busiest you know, time of the year for us as a church. But I'm going to be away uh, starting when baby comes, whenever that is, as on, our, on my pat leave. And we've got a bunch of exciting speakers that I'm very excited about uh, that are going to be coming in uh, to, to preach. Uh, next week, uh, uh, Pastor Michael, uh, Michael Yang from Tapestry Nights is going to be coming out. The week after, Vin Doan uh, from Northview uh, out at Abbotsford. Then Constant Fury, who's from Journey Canada, uh, she grew up in Singapore, and so she brings a little interesting dynamic. She grew up in English ministry in, in Singapore, and she's going to come here and preach. Uh, Andy Bay, Don Humphreys from Strathcona Vineyard Church, uh, we've had all of them come before. Then Pastor Brian, Brian Lee from BCBC, he also uh, grew up at Lord's Grace Church, so he's come here a few times before. He's preaching a Good Friday, and then our own Pastor Howard on Easter Sunday, he's going to bring it. Uh, he's going to bring the word uh, on, on Easter, uh, it'll be good. I'm I think I heard this confetti, and I heard we have a team ready, uh, so it's going to be a good time. Uh, it's going to be a good time. So it was quite a few years ago, I think it was around f- probably 15 years ago now, that our church was part of a missions work uh, in East Asia, and our church got an opportunity to send a team. I think there was four or five of us that were sent across uh, over to East Asia, and I was 21 at that time, and I remember taking this super long flight. We flew and, and we made it to the major city where we were taking our connecting flight, and I thought I was jet-lagged and my eyes were blurry from allergies, but I was looking around, I was talking to my teammate, I'm like, hey, is it kind of like smoky in here? He's like, yeah, it is. I'm like, okay, I thought I was imagining it, and it was just so smoggy that the air inside the airport <laughs> was, was smoggy. Uh, and we took our, our connecting flight there, and we went to another smaller town in the uh, western part of this country, and we got there, and then someone picked us up, 
I think it was a Toyota Corolla of some sorts picking up, picking our, our team split up, picking up the four of us grown men with like two luggages, two luggages each. And they packed us into this Toyota Corolla, and we sat there, and that was the ride of my life. We didn't, like, we were so crammed, like, luggage was in my seat, I couldn't, we could barely put on our, our seat belts. And I'm like, this is it. Like, Jesus, this is it. Like, you brought me all the way here, and this is how I'm going to go <laughs> uh, on this car ride. And then we made it. We made it to our, uh, this little village town uh, where we went to this drug rehab center. We served the men there that were rehabbing uh, from drug addiction. And I remember sitting there in this small little... We're at, we're at this restaurant, I think it was a restaurant, <laughs> this restaurant in this village, sitting on these small wooden chairs, these stool, uh, this, this wooden stools on this wooden chair, eating these spicy noodles. And I was sitting there like, what on earth am I doing here? You know, what am I doing here? A city boy, born in Vancouver, born and raised in Vancouver, uh, like 10,000 kilometers away in this little, t- little village, what on earth am I doing here? And we spent two weeks there, uh, just, just sharing the message, uh, working in the farms, uh, we saw someone get baptized in the river. We had to hike to the river in order for the person to get baptized. Uh, we saw people come to Christ. Uh, we just spent a lot of time. And I, I, I spent a lot of time with the people there. And that was actually where I preached my first message ever. Uh, my first message, we did not know that going in. We just went there to serve. And the chaplain, the person care, taking care of the, uh, the, uh, the rehab center was like, okay, guys, uh, we're going to need three chapels a day. So we're going to need three messages from you guys, <laughs> and there's four, four of us, so the rotation went quite often <laughs> uh, for us. And I'm like, what? I didn't prepare anything, and I remember just scribbling something down. My first message was on the parable of the lost sheep. I'm like, you know what? When all things go wrong, just follow Jesus' sermon outlines, and everything should be okay. So parable of the lost sheep, and I just preached through that, and my message was 10 minutes with translation. All right, 10, 10 minutes with translation. And I just preached. And after that, I got a little bit more comfortable, not really sure, and I preached another message. And it was at the end of that trip where we had a team debrief, and one of my, our teammates was like, Doug, have you ever thought about full-time ministry? And I'm like, what? No, no way, not me. Like, I'll run away. Like, no, that's not something I wanted to do. But God, God has his purposes, right? It's, it's interesting what happens when we agree to go. And that trip was revolutionary for me in, in a lot of ways. I remember uh, there, uh, our... Our shower was literally be, be, between, uh, beside a pigsty, all right? Uh, <laughs> literally. Like you stood on these two cement bricks uh, so you don't step in the muddy water as you're taking a shower and you hear the pigs, you know, on the other side of that wall. But I remember why I'm sharing that because I remember looking out on that. I had a beautiful view of the valley, <laughs> all right? All right, you're standing in, you know, pig stuff, right? But you're looking on the beautiful valley and just remembering the calmness of God and speaking, saying, this is what you're meant to do. This is where you're meant to be. You're just here serving me. And I'm saying this because it's interesting what happens when we agree to go. God uses us in amazing ways, ways that we never thought we could ever be used. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things for his kingdom. And we continue on in the book of Acts today. Uh, and looking at the first short-term missions trip that was sent, really. And Philip went on a solo trip. Uh, a short-term missions trip. And we see here today the big idea that God spreads the gospel through Christians who share the gospel to people who are seeking. That you and me and the Christians around the world, that we are God's plan to spread the message. That he chooses to use us to spread the gospel. He uses us Christians to share the gospel, the good news, to people who are seeking, who are thirsting for him. People that are desiring new life, desiring peace, desiring, desiring joy. 
And last week, we see Philip in Samaria. He's being a pioneer for the gospel there. And then he calls in the apostles, remember that, to come in and to pray and to validate what's going on here. I love that. As a pastor, one of my favorite things is to join into what God's doing. Other leaders in the church are like, hey, Doug, can you come and see this? I'm like, of course I'll come and see. I'll come and just rejoice because I did nothing. I'll come and rejoice and celebrate what God is doing through you. That's what happens there. The apostles go in. And Peter and John, they didn't do, do too much, but they prayed. And then God uses Philip, this ordinary Christian who was pioneering the way and at the cutting edge of ministry for the gospel. And today we continue on following Philip and his life as he's on outreach, as he's on this short-term missions trip. And it's a bit different. He's, he, Philip went to Samaria last week because of persecution. But today, Philip, he went because God directed him to go there. He's saying, God was saying, you got to go there. Go, go down this desert road. Uh, down to Gaza, you got to go there and, some, and, and just follow me, just trust me, just listen to me. And this is the first short-term missions trip recorded for us. And sometimes when we think of short-term missions, uh, missions and missionaries, uh, mission work in general, we think that it's something, like that kind of work is only reserved for the super Christian, right? You know, like the, the, the super Christian, uh, the special forces of the church, right? Like there's a mission trip over to East Asia, you know, as the super Christian comes in. They're like, I'm ready, you know, coming down from the roof of the church. Like, yeah, send me out. Like that's kind of thing, right? But no, like here, he's an ordinary guy. He's an ordinary Christian. That's the story of the gospel, the story of the Bible, the story of the book of Acts, that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Ordinary people like me and like you. And the call to follow Jesus, the call to follow Jesus is the same call as the Great Commission to go. When we're called to follow Jesus, we're also called to go and to make disciples and to spread the word and to, to do our part no matter where it is that we're situated in the world. And we're in a series called Acts, the Gospel in Motion, and we're continuing today by seeing again what happens when someone is impacted by the gospel and what it looks like for them to go. What does it look like for them to share their life and their experience with God? So, how do we live a life? How do we live a life on mission? Not just while you're on short-term missions overseas, but in the everyday. How do we develop a heart like Philip? And we'll see five things today. And the first uh, observation that we see and that we're called to and we need to understand is that we need to be prepared to go out of our comfort zone. If we want to make a difference for the gospel, if we have to understand the mission that God has for us, we have to have this attitude and mindset and this preparation for us to go out of our comfort zone, to look, that every day we need to look for the uncomfortable places as well because God might be using us in those places that we want to run away, run away from. Verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And you might be seeing this, you're like, well, what's so special about this verse? Well, I'll explain to you in a little bit here, that, the, that some of you, as you're reading this, as I told you, you got to go out of your comfort zone. That sentence itself is uncomfortable for you already. You're like, I want to stay within my comfort. I want to stay within what I know. But even though Philip wanted that as well, he was sent to somewhere he didn't want to be. See, this Gaza wasn't like the modern-day Gaza that's, you know, this big area. It was the last of five small towns just before you hit the desert that stretched out to Egypt. It was a place that no one wanted to be at. It's a place that not much was going on. It was this road that he was charged to walk down. is about 50 miles or 85 kilometers. You know, some of us, and I've definitely been there, where I complain. I'm like, ah, I got to fly, you know, 12 hours overseas and to be this place. 
and where a car comes and picks me up <laughs> and then drives me off into this compound. Well, one day when we meet Philip in heaven, he's going to be like, I walked 85 kilometers, guys, all right, on this one missions trip. So you be quiet, all right? <laughs> you be quiet. I walked 85 kilometers, and you had to jump onto the plane, all right? So it's a little bit different. But he had to go on this road. It's called the desert road for a reason because it was going into the desert. There's nothing much there. Uh, there was nothing really waiting for him. And what's worse was that as he's going into these towns, they were filled with people that he didn't want to be with. They were filled with Philistines, people that didn't get along with the Jewish people. So not only was it inconvenient, but it was out of the comfort zone for this Jewish person because he was going towards a town filled with people he didn't necessarily like and he didn't want to have anything to do with. But Philip, he went. He was obedient to the word. He obeyed God. He followed him. Philip went even though this was uncomfortable for him. And for us here today, our guide for living as a Christian isn't measured by whether something is comfortable or not. Our guide for following Christ isn't whether something is comfortable or not. Our guide for living as a Christian is Christ, is his calling, is his voice, is what he is calling us towards. So if we want to live a life like Philip, to be on missions, we need to be prepared to go out of our comfort zone. And maybe this week for you, you can see uh, and maybe a sense, what are these uncomfortable areas of your life that maybe God is calling you towards? Secondly, we need to look out for opportunities along the way as God is calling you to these uncomfortable places or as God is calling you uh, every single day in your daily walk uh, with him. Uh, look out for opportunities along the way. Verse 27, so he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So this uh, uh, Philip, he's on this way. He didn't keep his head down, but he kept his head up looking at Christ and being aware of what he's calling him to do and looking out for opportunities along the way. And Philip was on the way. He encountered this Ethiopian uh, eunuch. He was an important official uh, in charge of the treasury of, the, of Ethiopia. And Ethiopia back then wasn't the same as today, at the size of the country it is today. It was actually a significant chunk of Africa at that time. So this guy was important, all right? He was in charge of the whole treasury of an entire nation. But he was also a eunuch. And we'll elaborate a little bit on why this detail is important later, but a eunuch was, is a person that's been castrated, and it was common for people that served alongside the queen to be castrated in case, you know, things got a little bit frisky uh, in the office uh, to protect the lineage of the royalty. Uh, the people, the men serving around would get castrated, and if you're not sure, you want more details of what that means, if you're a youth and young adult here, go talk to Pastor Howard, and he'll explain you, uh, explain more of what that means. So here, uh, we see an official uh, for whatever reason, he's going to Jerusalem. Uh, he's wanting to worship. And as a high-ranked official, he would have had everything he wanted. He would have had everything at his bidding, everything that he needed and wanted, he would have had at his fingertips. But he also knew something was missing in his life, and he went searching. He went searching up in Jerusalem to see what these Jewish people were doing, what this Christianity is all about, what this Jesus that people are proclaiming, what they're talking about. He understood that even though he had everything, he was missing the most important thing in his life. And he was missing this joy, this contentment, and this peace. And that sent him on a search. See, uh, Philip, he could have kept his head down and 
kept walking. Well, there's a big, hon- you know, a big honcho right there walking, and you know, with, with his convoy, keep walking. Uh, just don't pay attention. I gotta keep going where I gotta go. But he didn't. He he looked around. He didn't miss out on this opportunity. Instead, he was paying attention to what's going on around him. I wonder for us, if we live a life on mission, I wonder how many people we would encounter if, uh, along the way for us every single day. As we go along the way to your work, to your school, to your family, to your friends, when you're going out for that walk, when you're grabbing your coffee, when you're buying your groceries, along the way, how many opportunities like this might we have as well? If we would only pay attention if we only see what God would have us see in the world. Because you are called to be on mission. You have a purpose in life. And every day we need to look out for that. So third, uh, that's, that's secondly, thirdly, we need to go to where people are at, not where we want them to be. If we're beyond missions, we, we, we're living out our lives for God, we need to go to where people are at, not where we want them to be. Look and go to where people are at, where they are. Verse 28, and on his way home was, uh, on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. What a great image for us. What a great image for us here. Philip was told to go to the chariot and to stay near it. Go to where people are, not, are at, not to where they want them to be. They could have said at that moment, Philip could have been like, God, if you want me to speak to that person, tell that person to come to me. Uh, tell that person in the chariot to get off the chariot and to come to me. But no, the Spirit of God said, Philip, no, you go to him. You go to that chariot. You go because I'm going about to do something amazing and awesome, and I want you to be a part of it. I want you to witness it. So you go. You go to where the people are at. And there are so many implications for us as a church, uh, for our missions work, for our outreach. Yes, the church is a gathering, but the church was never meant to be a place where we're just called to go to. We're actually called to go out from this place. A little of a, a word study here. In the New Testament, the word for church is ecclesia. It's used 114 times. And that word is a compound word uh, made from two words, compound. <laughs> uh, ek meaning to go out, and kaleo, the second part of it, means, which means to call out. So the first part means out of, ek, out of, and the second part, kaleo, means to call out. So the church isn't just a gathering, though it is, it's actually a gathering of the called out ones. The ones that are called to go out from this place. That's what the word for church means. As the ones who are called towards the kingdom, to called into the relationship with God, we're called to go out from this place. Now imagine this with me, dream with me, pray with me. What if we cared more about what's happening out there in the city? in Vancouver, in our communities, than what's happening in here? What if as a church we care more about what's going on out there, that our missions work, that we care more about the people out there, and we care for everyone that's not here than the people that are in here right now? Yes, I'm saying, okay, I'm not saying don't care for the people around you, okay? I'm saying what if we had this heart as well to care for those outside as well, that, you're, that, that person you're thinking about, that, that person in your mind, you're like, I praying so hard for them to know Christ, for them to know Jesus, for them to experience this peace and this hope and this love that I have experienced in God, that person you're thinking about right now, what if we had this heart and this intentionality, not just call them to come here, but for us to go to them and to love them and to show them what the love of Christ is all about? How would that change us? How would that change you? How would that change 
our church, how would that just rock our city for Jesus? That our city was just come to know the love of Christ as we go forth from this place. You see, it's not by accident that Philip is in the town, is going to a town called Gaza, listening to a foreigner, reading the book of Isaiah, right at the passage about the suffering servant about Jesus, the Messiah. <laughs> Too many details there for that to be a coincidence that leads to an opening to share about the good news for Jesus, about Jesus. But notice, but notice why Philip went through the chariot again. It's because the Spirit told him so. And I'm urging us, pleading with us, that even though the Bible here, it doesn't explain to us how he heard the Spirit's voice, we know that the Spirit speaks to his people, and he's speaking to you every day when we go out from this place, that he has a call for us. Are we aware of the voice of the Holy Spirit? Are we aware of the voice of comfort, the voice of peace, the voice that convicts us to be like, hey, Doug, don't go here, but go here instead because I have something for you. When was the last time that you had a sense that he's sending you to somewhere, to someone, and were you obedient? And did you listen? Or, or you said, nah, if God wants me to do that, that person will come to me. What has the Holy Spirit placed onto your heart? Because I want to encourage us that he is speaking to you. The voice of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's living inside of you. If you declare Jesus to be Lord and Savior, that power is living inside of you and he has a mission for you every single day. So the call for us is to go to where people are at, not for them to come, but for us to go. Fourthly, we need to walk alongside as we go to people. We need to walk alongside and be invited in. Look for moments of invitation as we walk alongside, as we go to people. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Okay, guys, this is a home run for Philip. <laughs> this is set up on a tee for Philip to hit this out of the park. And it's really happened only once for me in my life where a friend of mine was having a terrible time in life, and she came, and we're having a conversation about this, and then she said, asked me this question, Doug, how do you have such peace in life? <laughs> how do you, share with me, how do you have such a good outlook on life? I'm like, well, well, let me share about Jesus with you. See, it doesn't happen all the time. I wish every single day people would just come up and be like, how? You know, someone would just stand right beside me. Man, I want this peace in life. Would someone tell me what life is all about? Like, you know, I wish that would happen every single day. And it doesn't. But maybe it does happen more often than we think it does. If we spend time with people. If we're spending time in those communities. If we're walking alongside of people. Notice what it says here. The Phil, he ran up to the chariot and then he heard the man. And then he was invited in. If Philip was not beside the chariot listening in, and if Philip was not seen and in close proximity with the Ethiopian eunuch, then he would not have been invited in. So the question for us, it's not so much of whether these miraculous interventions and conversations are happening, but who are we building intentional relationship with? Who are we spending our time with right now that these conversations and these invitations naturally just come up? Because if we do spend time with people in that way, these opportunities will come. 
they don't come only in Scripture. They don't only, these opportunities don't only show up for the super disciple or the apostle. They come for everyone that is on mission for God, only if we will listen, only if we will listen. And it's amazing to me here that Philip would leave Jerusalem where the church was bustling, all right? It was growing, it was booming, people were coming to faith, getting baptized left, right, and center, receiving the Spirit, healing was happening, miracles was going on, and God called him out of that place to go reach this single person, to walk down this desert road. And, and, he, and he's probably wondering as he's walking those 85 kilometers, what am I doing here? Things were so good back there. God, what could I possibly do and offer you here until he met this Ethiopian, Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch, this head of the treasury who had high impact that could impact the nation as well. And he spends time with this one guy. This one guy. And that was not random, but planned by God. And I dare dream and think and pray that every single day we would encounter people like this as well. That small encounter that you have with whoever it is that you're encountering will make a difference in the long run. Make a difference in the long run. I've shared the story before where part of my faith journey was through a, a, through a, 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 a Spanish woman that I met on missions in Mexico. As she was sharing her testimony about how in Jesus she had everything. This woman who was living in a shack made of cardboard and, and garbage bags spoke to me in that moment. And she doesn't know that. One day, see her in heaven, I'm going to share that with her and explain to her the impact that she's made. But she doesn't know that, the impact that she's made. And who knows the impact that you're going to make on the people around you from the simple observation, from the simple hi and hello from that meal and that coffee and that little action that you took to care for the people around you. Who knows what God will do to impact? And you might be thinking, God, what am I doing with my life? It seems like I could be doing more important things, but in that moment, Philip could not be doing anything more important because that's exactly where God was calling him to be. The same thing could be happening to you like this Ethiopian eunuch, maybe people around are speaking to you as well and reaching out to you, preparing you. It's not random that you're hearing this message today. It's not random that you're hearing the gospel. It's not random that we're situated at this church today, sitting in these pews today, hearing the message of the good news. God has a plan. And often, as I've been saying, God's plan is to share the gospel through Christians, through people who share and explain the gospel to others. And that's our fifth point here today. Fifth observation here is that we share, if we're living a life on mission, we share what Jesus did, not what they must do. It's important. Maybe it's a fine line. Often we say, hey, as a Christian, you got to do X, Y, and Z, but that's not the essence of the gospel. The essence of the gospel is sharing what Jesus did and pointing to people to what Jesus has done. So we look for moments to share about Jesus, not share about what people have to do. Verse 34, the eunuchs, a eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Notice verse 35, that Philip, what? Talk about that passage and told them about the good news of Jesus. He didn't say, well, if you believe you need to do this, say, no, let's start with what's most important, the good news, what Jesus has done for you and for me. I ask this question, though, why does the eunuch ask this question? 
In verse 34, tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? You see, according to Israel law at that time, recorded in Deuteronomy 23.1, eunuchs were forbid, uh, eunuchs uh, and anyone that was sexually deformed were forbidden for entering into the temple of the Lord. Eunuchs were not allowed into the temple because they were sexually, counted as sexually deformed. Not clear if they're allowed into the, inner, uh, into the outer courts, but definitely not the inner courts. And maybe this eunuch, after making that trek all the way to Jerusalem, he's, he's thinking he gave up so much of his life for this career that he has, and what's worse now is that God doesn't even want me. That I've given up so much, I'm not finding joy in my work, in what I'm trying to seek after, even though I have everything, I don't have this joy, and now what's even worse is that God doesn't want me, that he considers me unclean and unlovable. He was wanting to have this relationship with God, but God, he was feeling like God was rejecting so he's reading this passage about this Jesus who was led to be, to, to be slaughtered, who suffered for the sake of humanity so that everyone who believed in him, this Messiah, would have new life. And little did this eunuch know as he's reading this and asking this question, if he read a little bit further down in Isaiah 56, 45, he would have read this. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls, a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Only if they read a little bit further. You see, people might be closer to God than you think. And Philip came at this point, and for sure he would have explained, hey, you're stuck here in verse uh, chapter 53, but can you go down a little bit more? Read 56. <laughs> you're part of this story too. People might be closer to God than you think they might just be a few verses away, a few verses away from receiving Jesus, from receiving Christ, but we fall short and we stop. We say, this isn't doing anything. Or maybe I'm not good enough. I can't explain this. But we're not called to explain anything except for Jesus and our experience and our understanding of him and his good news. And he would have shared, Philip would have shared to the eunuch, this means that God does want a relationship with you, no matter what it is that you've done. That God wants to love you. God does love you. God wants you to be in relationship with him. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through now, our God is a God that went onto the cross for you and for me so that we can experience new life, so that we can experience joy. In most modern translations, you might notice in your Bibles here that verse 37 is actually missing in scriptures. That's, that's because the scholars, uh, that have, uh, the Bible scholars have, uh, uh, that, that scrutinize the Bible and make sure it's legit, uh, says that in the, in the earlier uh, forms of the Bible translations, that verse 37 wasn't there. It was found later on. So they only added it as a footnote saying that they're not sure if this was part of the original manuscripts. But if we read verse 37 here, it says this. If, uh, as, 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 as Philip was explaining the gospel to the eunuch, and he asked him this question, do you really believe? The eunuch reply applies uh, in this way, verse 37. If you believe with all your heart, you may, Philip says. And then the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The great confession that after this sharing, after this random encounter that Philip has, this Ethiopian eunuch receives Jesus and comes to fully believe, fully believes with all his heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Right then and there, some, they find some water. He gets baptized. I love that. 
on a desert road, there's water for some reason. <laughs> right then and there, he's able to get baptized. And next we hear, and the next time we hear about Philip, it's not actually until 20 years later in Acts 21, where he has four daughters that are unmarried and prophesying. That's the next part we hear about him. For 20 years, he's situated at Caesarea, just serving Christ and serving God. I want to end today with this uh, video um, and share about this little town, uh, this place in uh, western Norway. Maybe some of you have been there. It's called Trollstigen, a mountain road. It's a road in western Norway that has tons of tourists every single year. It's tucked away in the mountain. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful landscapes, waterfalls, uh, fjords. Uh, Trollstigen uh, means ladder of the troll or for the troll. And there's a lot, like, a lot of climb, a lot of back and forth. There's 50 kilometers it's, it's steep. There's 11 hairpin turns for you driving enthusiasts. F1 is coming up soon. Uh, so driving, there were a lot of uh, lovely driving routes. It's fun for cars. Uh, buses aren't allowed up because they can't make the turns because that's how sharp it is. Uh, so it's a beautiful part, but also it gets a ton of snow. It gets a ton of snow, and every spring around this time, uh, something like this happens, which I'll show you in the next video. Hope it plays. You can click it for me. Oh. No video. Then I will explain it <laughs> to you. <laughs> no video. All right. So what happens every year is that there's like like tens, like 30 feet of snow at least. And the vid- what the video shows is a, a plow that goes through the mountain route. And you don't actually even see the plow, but you just see snow flying out. Uh, you see snow flying out. And they do this for all 50 kilometers of this route. And why I wanted to show us that picture, why I wanted to show us that picture is because for some of you today, God has been making a way to come to you, just like all that effort of the snow plowing. He's making a way to come to you for you to come and to know him. And some of you today, you've been feeling rejected and casted out by society, but the call today is that you belong to the family of God, no matter what it is that you've done, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away you feel, God is wanting you to come home, and today could be your day one. And he's been making a way for the gospel to come to you, and today you've heard this for the first time, and you're wanting to receive, that God is saying, yeah, he wants to forgive, he wants to be with you, he wants you to receive this life and peace and new life in him, that he loves you so much that he's willing to go on to the cross for you before you even knew him, so that you can have life. And then for some of you today, you've been feeling committed for a while, but you are feeling like taking the next step of getting baptized. That that's your next step, which we're planning for June for baptism, that you're feeling that's your next big step and you're thinking here, just like this eunuch asks, what can stand in the way of me being baptized? And you're thinking of a mountain of reasons. But God has plowed all of those away and made a way for you to come into relationship with him and you to dedicate your life to him through baptism. Maybe that's your action step. But for some of you today, God has been birthing the desire for missions locally or globally. And you've been hesitant to go, but today you're committing yourself to serving God through missions locally or globally, to listening to Him, be filled with the Spirit, to go like Philip has gone into uncomfortable places, to be with people, to look for opportunities to share the gospel, and to make a difference. That's what God is calling you towards today. That you need to commit yourself. That you know what? Maybe I've been neglecting this part of my life and ministry. I need to live a life on mission, and that's your call today.
And we're reminded that you're not called to change the world because God has already done that. You're just called to be a part of it. Be part of what God is choosing to do because that person might be you. You might be the person that's received the conversation that's changed your life, but you might be on the other side where you give that conversation and share the gospel and become to know. And just like the eunuch who went on rejoicing, maybe you would be part of the work that sends someone out rejoicing as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your good news and for the work that you call us towards. Father, I pray for all of us here, whatever action that you are calling us towards today, God, whether it's to commit our life to you, whether it's to, become, to get baptized and make that deeper, take that next deeper step, God, or maybe it's to go into life on missions, whatever is blocking us, Lord, from rejoicing and receiving this new life in you, God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would remove it, that you would give us clarity, that you will fill us with your spirit, that we will hear your voice only today calling us towards a life of new, newness, of joy, of hope, peace, and love. And God, I just pray for all of us now that I sense, Lord, that many of us are feeling tired and fearing, feeling weary from our lives, whether it's from work, from school, from our families. God, I just pray that you will fill us, Lord, at this moment, that you draw us close to you, to help us know that you haven't forsaken us, that you're with us in the every single day. And may that give us strength for today and tomorrow and the day after. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.